Okay. If you have your Bibles as the children are dismissing for Children's Church, turn, if you would, uh, to our base text for this study that we're uh, doing on the faithful bride, Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. We're looking at uh, the first 13 verses in that. As we're looking at what the faithful bride is, who the faithful bride is, and judge ourselves if we're being a faithful bride to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. But we're going to look at a few scriptures in the book of the Revelation this morning too. So don't close your Bible after you read this. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five of them were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. And all those virgins arose, and they trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourself. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. Afterward also came the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. But he answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know not neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. Now we're looking at the steps of the Jewish wedding because I believe that the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you know, uh, you know, is, is, is parallel to the way that the Jewish wedding, you know, went during the time of our Lord and Savior while He was here on this earth. So if you look at the Jewish wedding and you understand the Jewish wedding, you can tell where we are today, you know, and it gives us a timeline about, you know, how soon the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is. Now, I don't, I don't set no dates. I don't believe in date setters, but I do know just by looking at the, uh, the day and the time that we live and by taking a look at the Jewish wedding here, I believe that the soon return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is a whole lot nearer than what some people say or think even. You know, are we going to be wise virgins or are we going to be foolish virgins you see that choice is ours if we're going to be ready when he does come now let me just kind of bring you up to date in case you hadn't been here through this uh, through the last four weeks you know of where we're at you know the first thing about the jewish wedding was there was a selection of the bride the 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 the, the, the uh, father of the groom he would send out his most faithful servant we looked at the example of abraham how he sent out his servant to get a uh, a, a wife for his uh, son Isaac. The father would, would send out that servant. The, the bride would be selected, but the bride had a choice to make. Do I accept this or do I not? Folks, when the Holy Spirit of God, you know, calls upon us for salvation, we have a choice to make. Am I going to give, uh, you know, into the Holy Spirit and give my life to the Holy Spirit or am I not? The second step of that was the price of the bride had to be paid. Once the bride was found and selected, then the father of the groom had to pay the father of the bride, you know, a certain amount of money because he was fixing to lose a good worker in the home. Let me tell you, our price was paid by Jesus Christ when he died on the cross for our sins. 
The third step in that was the betrothal and the, and the ketchabah. Now the betrothal period is where we're at right now. We're betrothed to Jesus Christ. And the ketchabah was simply the contract, the marriage contract that was drawn up between the father of the groom and the father of the bride. Folks, here is our contract right here. Jesus has promised many things to us. This is our contract. This is our ketchabah. And we are being betrothed to Jesus Christ right now. The fourth thing was the cup of the covenant. Once the contract was made, they would have a glass of wine to seal the covenant. When Jesus met with his disciples in that upper room and they took the wine, that was the first cup of the covenant. If you remember, Jesus told his disciples at that time, I'll not drink again of the fruit of the vine until we drink it together. That's the second cup, which, was, which would be done at the wedding itself. We are waiting on that. The fifth thing was gifts for the bride. The groom would give the bride certain gift. Uh, you know, many times it was just a coin so that while he was gone away to prepare their home, you know, she could always look at this token that he gave her as a promise that he was coming back for her. Folks, what we get when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, the gift we receive is the gift of the Holy Spirit within our life. That is what, you know, the, 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 the gift is that he's given to us. And the sixth thing is mikvah. Mikvah was a, pure, a purification process that the bride would go through. She would get, get in this pool of water and she would, you know, uh, you, know, uh, you know, purify herself as a result of that. Our mikvah is a baptism. Once we accept the Holy Spirit, once we accept that gift of the Holy Spirit, our next process is to get baptized. That is our mikvah. And then the seventh thing was the departure of the groom. Now, the groom would now go away for a period of a year, sometimes even more, to prepare the home for his bride so that when he came back and he got her, you know, they would have a place to go. Folks, Jesus Christ left over 2,000 years ago to prepare us a place. He said in John 14, I go away to prepare a place for you, and if I go away to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto my own, that where I am, there you may be also. Folks, listen, Jesus Christ is preparing the new home for his bride at this time. Now, the next thing is, while the groom was gone, the eighth thing was the consecration of the bride. While he was gone, the bride had to remain pure. She had to remain, you know, uh, uh, faithful. She had to remain obedient to her groom. Folks, that is our responsibility right now. While Jesus Christ is gone preparing our home, we have to remain faithful to him. We cannot commit spiritual fornication, you know, by doing other things that this world has to offer. We must remain pure to him. Now, the, the ninth thing was the return of the bridegroom. You know, this is what he's talking about here in Matthew chapter 25. He will come back unannounced. Folks, that is what we're waiting on right now is the return of our bridegroom, the rapture of the church, when Jesus shall appear in that eastern sky, a trumpet's going to sound, the dead in Christ are going to rise first, then we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up to be with our Lord forever and ever and ever. Now, the tenth thing was the hoopah. You know, that was the wedding ceremony itself. They, they would go under this little canopy, you know, and, and that's where they would, you know, uh, uh, the marriage uh, ceremony would uh, be performed. So, and then the thing after that, the 11th thing that we looked at last week was the marriage supper. This is the reception that is following the wedding. Every wedding today, there's always a reception. And this wedding will be no different after the wedding. 
after the wedding, after we're caught up to heaven, you know, then there is going to be a wedding uh, uh, a reception like we've never seen before. Never. Now, Jesus Christ is returning for his bride. The question is, will you be ready when he returns? Or will you be like the five foolish virgins in our scripture text this morning? You're not ready. You're not ready for his return. You're going to be looking to someone else for help. So the question is not, will he return? Listen to me. The question is, when will he return? That is the question this morning. Now, the second half of this ancient Jewish, wedding, or ancient Jewish wedding ceremony, this hoopah, you know, is also called the home-taking. That's where he takes his home. The, remain, the, the original meaning of hoopah was a room or a covering. In the hoopah of the ancient times, it was this temporary uh, room that they would live in or, you know, have, uh, live in right after the marriage ceremony. Right after the marriage ceremony, they would stay in this hoopah for seven days. Seven days before they would come out. Folks, in our case, it's going to be seven years because it's going to be during the tribulation period. We're going to remain in our hoopah with our bridegroom for seven years while hell is going, uh, taking place here on this earth, while the tribulation play, uh, is taken home. And then, you know, later after that, he'll take us to our new home. Now, as we pointed out last week, the bride and the bridegroom were escorted to the bridal chamber where they would stay alone for seven days. Remember, though the bride and the groom were escorted to that bridal chamber, either by the wedding, or, I mean, by the entire wedding party, only the bride was allowed to enter that chamber. Remember Matthew chapter 25, verse 10 through 12. And while they went to buy, who went to buy? The five foolish virgins. Because they wasn't ready. They wasn't ready. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready, it is those who went in to the marriage. And the door was shut. And afterwards came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Now, this is confusing with many, but, you know, if you'll notice, all ten of them was virgins. Okay, now this is an important point. All ten of them were virgins, but all ten was not part of the bride of Christ. Only five of the virgins was allowed to be in the bride of Christ. Now see, all ten went through the first five steps that we just mentioned this morning. All ten you know, uh, you know, they were selected by the, by the uh, groom. The price was paid. The ketchup ball was there. The betrothal period was there. The cup of the covenant was there. Uh, and the gifts of the bride was there, the gift of the Holy Spirit. But that's as far as the five foolish went. They never carried out, you know, the, the, uh, the eighth part to consecrate themselves while the groom was gone. Let me suggest to you this morning, our churches are full of people who have went through the first five steps. They were chosen by the Holy Spirit. In other words, they was called by the Holy Spirit to come to Christ. And they made that choice. They accepted that death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The second thing. They entered that betrothal period with Him to where they were supposed to remain pure while He was gone. They partook of the Lord's Supper even. Okay, the first cup of the covenant. They received the gift of the Holy Spirit within their life. But ever since then, they have not been faithful to the Lord. Ever since then, they have pretty much done 
what they want, when they want, how they want. Ever since then, they have not involved themselves in ministry. Ever since then, they have not been obedient to God's call within their life. Folks, that is the five foolish versions. Yes, they were saved. Yes, they were going to heaven. And we're going to look at that here in just a moment. But they was not faithful, therefore there was no oil in their lamps. The Holy Spirit was not active within their life. Yes, the Holy Spirit was there because they accepted Christ, but they was not active. The Holy Spirit was not active within their life. Let's, look, let's dive into this this morning, okay? As we saw last week, they were ready when the bridegroom came. Those who were ready, should we say, they made up the bride. And those who, uh, the, 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 uh, those who had prepared their wedding garment, they made up the bride. Now you say, well, what is the wedding garment? We looked at that last week because Revelation 19 says the, the, the wedding garments of the bride is the righteous deeds they do while here, they're here on this earth. So we're in the process. We're in the process while we're on this earth to build, to, to not build, but to make our wedding gown. And we do that by the righteous deeds that we do. We do that by serving the Lord. We do that by being obedient to the Lord. The wedding garment that you and I are preparing are the righteous acts that we involve ourselves in while we wait for the soon return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look, everyone who is saved will make it to heaven, but I believe that only, only those who have been faithful and committing themselves to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is going to have the right to enter that bridal chamber. The five foolish, they'll make it there, but not into the bridal chamber. Look, the spiritual par uh, parallel to Hoopa for the bride of Christ, it begins as we're lifted off this earth and we're taken to, you know, heaven where we're going to spend one week, or in our case, seven years with our bridegroom. And while the bride of Christ is in the bridal chamber with, the, with Jesus Christ, the rest of the world is going to be going through a great time of tribulation. Those who are saved, you know, but left out of the bridal chamber, they're going to be busy preparing the marriage feast so that when the wedding ceremony is over, we can feast from that table like we've never seen spread before. Now, the next event following the seven days of Hoopa is this marriage feast. And let me tell you, there's going to be playing of music and dancing, and, and, and that was a regular part of celebration. Like I told you last week, you know, you old Baptists that your feet don't move when you hear music, they're going to get to moving on this day, okay? You're going to find yourself doing a jig like you ain't never done before, and you, you ain't going to feel guilty about it. You ain't going to feel guilty about it. Because that is what the celebration is going to be like. Now, if you're saved, again, you're going to make it to heaven. But folks, can I tell you something? I, I'm not content just making it to heaven. I, I want everything that God has for me. And the only way that I can get everything that God has for me is to be faithful to Him while I'm here on this earth. The only way I can get all that God has for me is for me to be obedient to Him while I'm here on this earth. And you know what? That involves me making sacrifices sometimes in my life. And you know what? If you're going to be faithful to Him, if you're going to be obedient to Him, if you're going to be one of the, the wise virgins instead of one of the foolish virgins, it's going to mean that you're going to have to make some sacrifices in your life also. 
You see, there are some people who just content making it to heaven. Hey, that's, that's all I care about is making it to heaven. Uh, not me. Not me. I want everything that God has for me. Everything. You see, the bride of Christ. It's the bride of Christ that's going to rule and reign with him during that thousand-year millennial kingdom while we're here on this earth. It's the bride of Christ that he's going to take to that permanent dwelling place that he went away to prepare, that new city, Jerusalem. You know, uh, it, it, it's the bride of Christ that's going to receive everything that the groom has. Now, let's get started this morning. First of all, let's look at this permanent dwelling place for the bride. Again, we see it mentioned in John chapter 14, verse uh, 1 through 6, when Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you. Some people think that he went away to prepare heaven. He didn't go away to prepare heaven. Heaven was already there. He went, up, went away to prepare the home for his bride. He went away to prepare this new city, Jerusalem. He had paid the price. He was preparing the home for his bride, and he would come again unannounced to receive his bride. You see, currently, folks, Jesus is currently preparing that new city, Jerusalem, this new home. For his bride. And I believe when that last gold brick is laid, I believe that when that final pearly gate is hung, I believe when that final jasper wall is in place, he's then going to come unannounced to receive his bride, to receive his people, and reign with his bride in the new city, Jerusalem, that he's gone away to prepare. Over 2,000 years, he's been working on this, this place that he's built for his bride. And this event that starts this whole thing is the rapture of the church. Now, what, what will this place look like that's been over 2,000 years to complete? Now, if you stop and think about it just for a moment, God created the entire earth and everything in it in six days. Folks, Jesus has been working on this house for 2,000 years. Can you imagine the splendor? Let, let, let's take a look at it. Turn over to Revelation chapter 21. The Revelation chapter 21. And again, a lot of people think this description that is given here is the description of heaven. Now, I won't get in an argument with you that over wherever Jesus is is heaven. I understand that. But... The description that is given to us in the Revelation chapter 16, I mean chapter 21 verse 16, is the new city Jerusalem. It is the place that Jesus went away to prepare over 2,000 years ago. Let's look at the description of this. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth, and the measure of the city uh, with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height are equal. And he measured the wall thereof in 144 uh, cubes according to the measure of the man, that is, of the angel. And the building of the wall, it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were, were garnished with them, all manner of precious stone. And the first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third caledonian, the fourth emerald, and the fifth sardox, and the sixth sardis, and the seventh crystallite, and the eighth beryl, and the ninth topaz, and the tenth uh, chrysomus, 
and uh, the eleventh was Jasus, and twelfth was Amethyst, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls, with several gates. I mean, every gate, excuse me, was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it is transparent glass. Wow. We can't even imagine what is described here. For many years, again, many has misunderstood this to be heaven. But this is what God or Jesus has went away to prepare for his bride, folks. This is the eternal home of the bride of Christ. Look, let me, let me just give you a description of it here. First of all, it's 1,500 miles square and high. 1,500 miles square. To kind of give you an idea of that, it's, 15, 000, it's a 15,000-mile cube. It would stretch from Canada to the Gulf of Mexico. It would go from the Atlantic Ocean to Colorado. Okay, it's 1,500 miles straight up in the atmosphere. Now, can you kind of get an idea of how this play, big this place is? I don't think even Donald Trump has got a place this big. Look here. The streets are of gold. The walls are of jasper. Each gate, each of the 12 gates that surround this city, you know, they are one solid piece of pearl. And gems of all kinds are all about it. Can you imagine the brightness of this place? And we're going to see here in just a moment that the light of that city is going to be Jesus Christ. Can you imagine with the light of Jesus Christ shining with all these jewels and, and things like this, the brightness that's going to be in that place? It's going to be like something you've never seen before. In fact, I've seen something I've never seen before. When I got out of my truck here this morning, you know, the, the, the sun was coming from the east there, and on my back door I seen a bunch of spots everywhere, shiny spots what the heck is that? I'd never seen nothing like that before. It turned out to be Evie left her little lunchbox in my back seat with all those. What's this sparkly things they got on thing? Huh? You know, y'all know what I'm talking about. These kids got this stuff that sparkles everything. And what it was, the sun was reflecting off of that and onto my door. Whatever it is. Plastic gems, I don't know. Or jungle gems, who knows? Anyway... It was something I'd never seen before. Can I tell you something? As bright as that was on my back door, this is going to be even brighter. It's going to be even brighter. Now, the purpose of the new city, Jerusalem, look at verses uh, there in 21, uh, 3, and then uh, 22 through 27. Folks, it's going to be the tabernacle of God. Verse 3 says this, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Do you understand at this new city, Jerusalem, at this eternal abode of the bride of Christ, we're going to be face to face with our creator. We're going to be right there with him. We're going to be there face to face with our Lord and Savior. Why? Because it's also the habitation, you know, of the bride of Christ. It's the place that God himself will inhabit. Look at verse 22 through verse 27. And I saw no temple therein. You know, people say, well, where are we going to worship when we get to the new city of Jerusalem? They ain't going to need no temple. Why? Because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. 
And the city had no need for sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them that are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. Now in a moment, we're going to, verse 24 is kind of confusing because it says, and the nations of them that are saved shall walk in it, and then there's kings of the earth are going to come up there in it. Who are those? We're going to look at that in a moment. Verse 25, and the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Notice verse 24 and verse 26. You know, they su it suggests that some are going to live on the earth and only come into this new city, Jerusalem, to worship. Keep that in mind. It's telling us here that there's going to be some people who are living on the new earth, the new earth, that will only be able to come into this city, Jerusalem, the eternal abode of the bride, only to worship, only to worship and refresh from this river of life. Look, there's going to be no need of the sun or the moon because Jesus is going to be like nothing impure will enter it. Again, look at verse 27. And there shall in no wise enter into anything that defileth or whatsoever work of abomination or a lie. Verse 27, let me just point this out before we go any further. It's not suggesting that there's going to be evil on the earth. Rather, suggesting and stressing the fact here that the city will never be contaminated with evil whatsoever. No longer will the city, the new city of Jerusalem or the new earth be uh, uh, contaminated by evil. Why? Because Satan has done been cast into the lake of fire. He's done been cast into the lake of fire. But let's look at the occupants here. Look at verse 9 in Revelation chapter 21. Let's take a look at the occupants of the new Jerusalem. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had seven vials full of the last plagues, and talked to me, saying, Come hither, and I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. So as the new city Jerusalem is coming down, this angel says, Let me show you the Lamb's wife. Now, if you'll notice, it's no longer the Lamb's bride, is it? Why? Because they've been there over a thousand years. Because this happens after the thousand-year reign of Christ. So, you know, who are the occupants of this new city, Jerusalem? The Lamb's wife. Again, remember, this event's taking place over a thousand years after the marriage of the Lamb. That's why he uses the term wife instead of the bride. The next thing we see there is this. The wife of the Lamb will live and worship in the new city. That will be the eternal abode of the bride of Christ. The next thing, the wife of the Lamb will eat the fruit of the tree of life. Look at verse 2 in Revelation 22. Flip over to the next uh, chapter. Verse 2, Revelation 22. In the midst of the street of it, talking about the new city Jerusalem, right in the middle, on either side of the river, was there a tree of life. We're going to have two trees of life there, okay? Now look at this. Which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves, now look at this, I'll explain this here in just a moment, and the leaves of the tree for, were, were for the healing of the nations. Now remember a minute ago we seen there's going to be kings on the earth of the nations. Now this is saying that 
you know, the fruit is going to be there in the home of the bride of Christ, the wife of Christ. But the leaves are for the healing of the nation, for the people on the earth. What it, what, we'll get there in a moment. I promise you. I just want to get your mind confused here just for a moment. But look at this. So we see here that the wife of the Lamb will not only reside in the new city of Jerusalem, she will also wa uh, worship at the new city of Jerusalem, and the bride is going to eat the fruit of the tree within the new city. So that, those trees of life, the bride of Christ is just going to feast on it as much as they want. Now, I know some of you meat eaters are going to miss the T-bone steak in the porterhouses. Okay, you're going to miss the catfish, Kenneth. He's a catfish freak. But you know what? This fruit that's going to, this 12 manner of fruit, I have no earthly idea what those 12 fruits are going to be. But can I tell you something? They will be something that satisfies us throughout eternity. Satisfies. All right, that's who the occupants of the new city Jerusalem are is the bride of Christ. But who are these occupants of the new earth that is spoken of here? Now, this statement back in Revelation chapter 21, verse 24 through 27, this statement, the nations of them, is confusing to many. You see, if the bride is going to live in the new Jerusalem, who is going to live on the new earth? You see, who are these nations of people if all the saved, all the saved make up the bride as some feel, who would be left to live on the new earth? Are, are you with me so far? If everyone made up the bride, everyone who has ever trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, if everyone who has ever been saved is in the bride, who's going to be on the earth? Because we clearly see that the nations of them on the earth is going to be able to enter the new Jerusalem to eat out of the leaves of the tree of life. Who are these people? Hmm. This is another reason that I feel that not everyone is, who is saved is going to have the privilege of being in the bride of Christ. Again, five wise virgins, five foolish virgins. They were all virgins. That means they all went through the first five steps of the Jewish wedding. They all accepted the call of the Holy Spirit on their life. They all accepted the, the gift of the Holy Spirit within their life. They all, you know, went through the ketchabah. They had the contract. But five remained faithful while the bridegroom was gone. But five didn't. And again, this is another reason that I feel that all the saved will not make up the bride of Christ. You know, and, and, and you know... There's another reason I feel that not everyone who is saved is going to have the privilege of, you know, many things that is going to be awarded to the bride. This is why I feel it's so important that we be more than just a church member now, folks. That's why it's so important we get involved in ministry. That's why it's so important we, we, we serve others. That's why it's so important that, you know, we, we carry out whatever it is that God has gifted us with with our spiritual gifts. Because there's more waiting for us than just making it to heaven. Than just making it to heaven. That's why I teach so much on faithfulness and obedience. I know I hound that sometimes about faithfulness and obedience, but that's why. Because I want you to receive everything that God has for you.
I don't want you satisfied with just living on the new earth. I don't want you satisfied with just eating leaves for the, throughout eternity. I want you to suck on that fruit. I want you to receive all that God has for you. You see, what you are doing now, what you are doing now, what you are doing today, okay, is going to affect you throughout eternity. It's going to affect you throughout eternity. Who will make up the uh, uh, occupants of the earth? We're told that only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Look at verse 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it, talking about the city that defileth, neither whosoever shall work abomination or make of the lie, but the only ones that's going to have access to the new city of Jerusalem, access in and out, okay, not, again, they're not the bride, is those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, I don't claim to have all the answers, but I believe the nations of the earth are going to consist of three groups of people, and I've got them listed here for you. First of all, the Old Testament saints who are faithful enough to be saved. The Old Testament saints. The second group is the New Testament saints who were saved, but they were like the five foolish virgins, okay? They were never truly sold out to the Lord. They wasn't faithful to His call upon their life. They were not obedient to His call upon their life. They lived, the life that, uh, they lived their life the way they wanted to, not the way the Holy Spirit led them. Okay? They never was fully obedient. They never was fully faithful to the service. And the third group is this, all of those saved during the millennial reign. Okay? In other words, we, we, I guess it's on Sunday night or Wednesday nights, we're going through the book of the Revelation, and we talked about this last Wednesday night, but there's going to be many people born during the millennial reign. Because during the millennial reign, there's going to be people in a physical bodies and spiritual bodies. The physical people in physical bodies who made it through the tribulation period, they're going to have kids for a thousand years. And we've, what we found was at the end of the thousand years, Satan is going to be loose for a short season and many as the sands of the sea are going to follow him. Well, there are going to be those who don't, who make it through the millennial reign. They will be part of the people living on the new earth. All of these will be able to enter the new city, Jerusalem, to worship, but they must reside on the new earth. They will also be able to enter the new city to eat of the, tree, of the leaves of the tree of life that we saw in Revelation 22 and 2. So the nation of the earth, in my, in my opinion here, is going to consist of Old Testament saints plus New Testament saints who were saved, but they were like the five foolish virgins who they never was committed themselves, never fully committed themselves to the Lord, you know, they never was obedient and faithful to Him. They made it to heaven, yet so as by fire, but they never was sold out. These will have to settle for an eternity on the new earth, not the new city. They'll have to settle possibly for, you know, uh, uh, a diet of leaves instead of fruit. They'll have to settle for entry into the new city, Jerusalem, to worship and refreshing only. Again, I want more than that, folks. You say, you're selfish. No, I'm not selfish. I just, I want everything God has for me. Everything God has for me. Look, my desire in closing is that every one of you 
live within those walls of that new city, Jerusalem, and not only allowed to enter for the sake of refreshing and worship of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you know, not only to just, you know, drink of that water that's going to flow from the throne of God. I want each of you, I want each of you to be able to eat of that fruit off of that trees of life that's going to be on either side of that river. I want to see each one of you with a mansion, you know, on streets of gold, you know, and walls of jasper, not just an ordinary house on pier and beams, okay? I want you to receive everything that God has for you, everything. I want you to be in that bride of Christ, you know, not simply settle for a guest at the wedding. If Jesus Christ was to return today, would you be able to reign with him for that thousand-year period because you are in the bride of Christ? Would you be able to, you know, worship with him and, 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 and reign with him rather than just serving during that millennial reign? Would you be able to live eternity in that new Jerusalem or settle for the new earth? Look, just as salvation was your choice, so is your eternal abode, your choice, the new Jerusalem or the new earth. It is your choice. You can either choose to be obedient or you can choose to be disobedient. You can choose to be faithful or you can choose to be unfaithful. You can, be, you can choose to be committed or you can choose to be uncommitted. Guess what? That's your choice. You know, my responsibility to you as your pastor is to tell you what the Word of God says. And the Word of God says He wants you obedient. He wants you faithful. He wants to give you everything that He has for you. But the choice to receive it is yours. So what about it here this morning as we close out this study on the faithful bride? If He was to come tonight, he was to come tonight. Would you be one of the five wise virgins? Or would you be one of the five unwise virgins? Would you, as one of the five virgins, be able to enter the bridal chamber with Jesus Christ? Or would you be one of the unwise virgins that's going to have to start getting the tables ready and cooking the food and everything for the banquet? That choice is yours. That choice is yours. So what would it be? And if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you've never, uh, you know, the first step in the Jewish wedding, remember, was choosing the bride. I'll guarantee you the Holy Spirit has chosen you at one time in your life. Because God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So at least one time in your life, the Holy Spirit has knocked on your heart's door saying, the groom wants you. Have you accepted that? Have you accepted his spirit? If not, you're not a wise virgin or an unwise virgin. You're not even a virgin yet, okay? You're not even one that's going to be raptured up. Rather, one that's going to be left on this earth. So you have a choice to make this morning. If the Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart's door this morning, calling you to salvation, are you willing this morning to come to him and accept his call on your life? Or are you going to continue to reject him until he's no longer knocking on your heart? Whatever the needs are here this morning, we want to have a song of invitation, and we want you to just respond.
The altar's open, child of God, if you just need to come pray and ask God to show you what it is he would be having you to be involved in ministry-wise. If there's some areas of your life that you're not quite as obedient as you should be, if there's some areas of your life you're not as faithful as you should be, if there's some areas of your life that you're not as committed as you should be, and give them to him. Say, Lord, I want to be all you want me to be. Let's pray.